Get ready for the world's greatest Arsenal podcast. Welcome to another podcast by Guns and Yellow Ribbons. Enjoy the show. Hello, welcome to another episode of Guns and Yellow Ribbons. My name is Fergus, I am your host. We're on a Monday night, 7 o'clock. And uh, yeah, we're going to um, talk all things Arsenal. I'm joined by the usual three guys, Guna Hilsey, all the way from Denmark for now, soon to be in London. Uh, we got Alex and ginger as ever uh, we have got capo dan capo dan is getting ready for singing on wednesday night guys how are we doing trev apparently um you parked a bicycle behind you yeah i just i just stood up to turn around before we came on air and my trousers fell down a little bit and these three have been giving me grief about it uh, but never mind we can live with that I'm feeling all right, Fergus. I've had a bit of a two-day hangover, thanks to you and the cronies. Um, <laughs> we'll talk about that in a bit, but uh, it was worth every minute of that hangover because it was a great trip, great day on Saturday, great performance uh, by the Arsenal. Capo, uh, you were up with uh, with Trevor up in Leicester. Uh, you got to see some of the game. I know we'll talk about the the uh, restricted view um, at, at points um, uh, in in the game. Uh, but did you enjoy yourself a good time? Met up with Ben and Lyle and all the others? Yeah, yeah, very good day. Um, started off with a couple of whiskey sours on the train and then, uh, yeah, back in into the pub. And then, um, yeah, a little drink after before we came back. Nice nice little trip. And when you come home with three points, it's even better, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely is. Uh, Alex, you're still in Denmark for now. For now. Yeah, I'm I'm counting the days to, to Wednesday. I can't wait to go go to Emirates and see Arsenal again. Yeah, uh, limousines are booked, hotels are booked, yep. tickets are booked, everything, everything's organised. Um, Cheap, cheapest in London. Cheapest in London, but the best quality. That It's not about the price, you know. For sure. So, no um, checks. So, <laughs> <laughs> don't start. I've got such a cough. You, I won't be able to speak for about 10 minutes. <laughs> um, Trev, so uh, talk to us about you um, uh, doing a public... A fundraising for Arthur Guinness, that's what I'd say, uh, based yeah. in the Corn Exchange uh, in Leicester. You were you were touting for free pints. Well, Fergus, you well know we most certainly weren't. We were stitched up, oh, royally, like, stitched up royally stitched up by my daughter and Fergus. It was my, my good friend Terry's 60th birthday at the weekend. Happy birthday, Terry. I know he had a great day. And me and Terry were sat having a chat in, in the... Uh, the Weatherspoons in Leicester, and another friend of ours, John Malone, messaged me because I tagged us. I, ta- I checked in in this Weatherspoons. John Malone, a friend of ours, messaged me and said, "What table are you sat on? I'll send you something." And I thought, "No, no, no, no." So I told him the number for the table next door. We thought we'll wait and see what arrives on their table. But then my bloody daughter messaged me and said, "I want to send Terry a birthday drink. What's your table number?" So I said, "Yeah, I told her the table number." She then told Fergus, who then told another friend of ours, Ed Seaborn. I told I told nobody. I don't know where all the other beers come from, but within about 15 minutes, we had 12 pints of Guinness sat on the table, which which we royally tried to get our way through. But um, we had to end up, if I'm honest, we gave a few away. Not that we couldn't have drunk them, but it was getting into kickoff time, and it's an half an hour walk, you know, so... We, um, well, half an, half an hour walk for most people. It took you about 45 minutes to an hour, didn't it? Because, like, you know, it was like this side, that side. <laughs> it was all, I was being guided. I, I was being steered. But I'd like to say a very big thank you. Whoever it was that sent us all those drinks, I know some of you. I know that some, I don't know the others, but it was very much appreciated. 
Um, but next time, I'm not telling anyone what table we're on. Not a chance. <laughs> How bad was he, Dan? How bad was he? Well, you can tell when um, when he walked through the door and you see this big beaming smile as he comes through the through the turnstiles. You can just tell that uh, Trevor's definitely enjoyed a few Guinnesses before he got in. <laughs> that was more than a double parking, wasn't it? Yeah, uh, no, it was multi-story parking. I think we call it. We have double parking for two pines, but yeah, he was definitely it multi-story was. parking. Yeah, um, guys. Hello to everyone in the chat. Great to see some regular faces in there. Um, keep on uh, joining us. And if you if you do like what we do, you know, click on that subscribe button on the YouTube channel as well. Uh, so you get notifications of when we go live because we've got all different days. We're Monday. We've been Thursday. We've been Friday. And it really depends on the fixtures as well, because we try and do one after each game and try and before the next game. But life sometimes gets in the way and stops that. But what nearly got in the way of uh, me seeing the football uh, in the UK was the 3 p.m. blackout. Now, um, before the, the, the show, I sent the list of what we were going to be talking about to the guys. And um, Alex wasn't even aware of what this... Uh, th- the, the, the topic was 3 p.m. blackout in the UK, a 1960s rule. Is this still current? And I explained to Alex that in 1960, it was decided that um, football could go on TV. Bear in mind, in the UK in 1960, Trev, you'll probably be able to correct me on this, it's probably a two, maybe three channel uh, network in 1960. Was that long ago, Ferg, was it? Was it yeah. Dangerous? Was it? I, and I had no idea it was um, it was made as early as 1960, mate. And do you know what? That was before even I was born. <laughs> <laughs> it was the 60s. It was the 60s. Um, oh. So, yeah. But but anyway, um, it was made in the 1960s in the 2-3 channel, channel era. Well, now it was revised, I think, when the Premier League came out. They looked at it again and see if it was fit for purpose. And they felt that it could impact on uh, crowd attendances uh, at games. But to be honest, in this world of multi-channel, internet, streaming and everything else, do you see it um, as still fit for purpose? If you want to go and watch Dagenham and Redbridge, you're going to watch Dagenham and Redbridge regardless of if Man United versus Arsenal are on the telly at three o'clock on a Saturday. Because uh, football is more than just going, uh, you know, just going to the, uh, to watch the 90 minutes. It's exactly what Trev done. You know, twelve pints of Guinness beforehand. It's gone to the counting house and seen uh, all all the mates that you saw up there, Dan. It's like Wednesday you're coming over. We'll go have a few songs in the in the stadium beforehand, Alex. It's all a bit more than just going to watch the football. So, Alex, you didn't know about this rule. What's your thought? Do you think it's practical for for twenty twenty three? No, it probably was back then in the sixties, and it's probably like as you said for the lower leagues. Um, but as you said, like football, is so much more than like just watching the actual football. So people are going to go even even though there's like good fixtures on and uh, people are going to find a way to stream it illegally um, if if it's not on, on the telly. So I just don't understand why uh, you, that, you don't have the opportunity to watch it in the UK because like in Denmark, we have the rights to broadcast like every Premier League game and every cup game. Um, and I know it's different, but like it's just a silly rule from the '60s. It seems like because um, like the tickets are so limited as well. Um, how much? How 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 much was the capacity for the uh, Arsenal away game at Leicester? Yeah, I think was it about like, thirty-five thousand? Yeah. So yeah. I mean, yeah. There's just so like yeah. Even in the UK, like there's so many Arsenal fans who are not going to watch the game. Uh, and can't go to the game. So why shouldn't they have the opportunity to watch their team play? I don't get it. Dan, but I'd like, Dan, what's your, I'd like to get your, your what's, views. Yeah, what, what's your view on it, Dan? I guess 
abroad, you can still watch every game, right? So fans abroad are not impacted in terms of what they can and can't watch. Um, in the UK, I can't really see it affecting attendances, really, because at the moment, you're either the stadiums are full, and I don't think that would really change much, or half of them are not full up anyway in the Premier League. So I don't think it would affect the Premier League. Um, never really I think about the lower it, leagues. It's there to protect the lower league. So if you've got, I don't know, Stoke versus... I don't, if you look at Sunderland, Sunderland are in League Two and they still get the highest league attendances uh, off, off there. They're getting like a stadium that holds 42,000. They're getting 30, 40,000 uh, week in, week out. If people want to go to football these days, they'll go to it because the EFL, every game on the EFL is streamed on the, the red button for uh, the EFL. So the argument to say it's protecting the lower leagues or even grassroots football is, is blown out of the water by that. Trev? Yeah, well, well I've, there's, you see, the rules were brought in when football, in my view, this is only my view, as everything is all our views. Um, the rule was brought in when there was much less football, uh, money in football, much less money in football. And gate receipts, gate receipts when people enter the stadiums were very much relied on by football clubs. Well, as we very, as we very well know, after what we've been through the last few years, our Premier League teams can survive without without gate money, and still spend millions and millions and millions on players. So there's a simple solution for me. Let, them, let, let the TV companies have access to three o'clock kickoff games on a Saturday, but charge the TV companies an extra 100 million a season for having the facility to, to show them three o'clock games. I'm sure that the, 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 the satellite TV companies could find that money and give that money straight to the lower league clubs. Break it up amongst the lower league clubs so, so they get a bit of a bonus out of it, and I think we might see a change of situation. Um, that's my that's my result for it. But yeah, I I can't see why we can't have three o'clock kickoff nowadays. Friend, friend of the show, Dale says in the chat it'll eventually go to Netflix style per club. I think it will go to a, tre- a streaming service that you'll buy your Arsenal season ticket online and and do that. Whether they do it club by club, I don't know. They might do it league by league, so they can bundle it all together. Um, and get more money because somebody who's supporting Bournemouth, they wouldn't have as many people, uh, probably like a stadium of 17,000, the, the catchment area isn't as big as, say, an Arsenal or Man United or whatever. Um, uh, a few people mentioned about um, uh, the comment that Alex said about illegally streaming. We don't know anything about that, nothing about fire sticks or streaming channels, or, and I don't know what you're talking about. And we would not we would not condone that whatsoever. Douglas, whatsoever. what are you talking about? What are you talking about? No, I haven't got a clue. I haven't got a clue. Over and over and over again, right, has, has got a really good point, a really good point, Fergus. That years ago, when, when I was growing up, and obviously that when is true. I was growing up, right, you, you were lucky. You didn't see any live football full stop. You might have seen the odd midweek game in the cup final, but the rest of it was match of the day and, and the, mainly the big match. It used to be on a Sunday afternoon on ITV at the highlights. And then you were lucky if your team got on because only chose two or three games. So we are in a much better position now when it comes to televised football. But because we've got the technology now, people want more, and rightly so. I, I don't know if it's true, and people are putting me right. I, I, I believe that some of the lower league clubs now, you can actually buy subscriptions and watch their games on on, on, on their channel. Um, on, on, on Sky Sports, if you get Sky Sports football, for an example, the EFL, all the, the, the other 72 clubs, every game is televised every game is played and it's on the red button. So, mm. you know, it, it, to say they're protecting the EFL, 
uh, over the Premier League is no longer valid. I think they might be looking at more grassroots, what maybe FC or something like that. Yeah. But be, it's just, it was just a topic. What, sorry, I'd be, I'd be interested to see what the actual goat receipts are, what the value is and what it changes by if they did um, televise the 3pm games. Because they only have to say that we'll, at a minimum, replace the value of what they lose and then most likely push more funds down to the lower clubs because there's definitely an issue with lower club funding and that's why we're starting to see more clubs go out of business so they do have to protect them but this could be another way of actually protecting them rather than hindering them yeah i, I agree Andrew, I, I, I it. this is an important important point you 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 cut in ferg but i'm leaving that out there no, really no 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 no, no carry on I, I, I didn't want to be misunderstood there. When I said that they don't rely on goat receipts, I was referring mainly to Premier League sides that get all the bonuses. I know full well, and I respect the fact very much that the lower league sides and the non-league sides as well rely almost totally on their goat receipts. And, and Andrew's exactly right. So that's why we're talking about if you're going to have three o'clock kickoffs that might take away some of their income, you've got to look at compensating them. And what Dan's just said is exactly right. That can be done, I reckon. And you just have to look through uh, the pandemic with lockdown, the huge impact that it had on the bottom line of, of Arsenal Football Club. They had one of the highest match day revenues uh, there. Um, and yeah, that's what I was saying, Dale, I follow is, is for all the lower leagues. Um, but uh, the match day receipts, but Dan, you are right. The distribution of wealth should be better, but TV money is not necessarily the way to do it and penalising the, uh, the three o'clock kickoffs in the UK. I don't think is really the impact. There should be more wealth coming out of the Premier League and trickle down a lot further through the EFL and down to grassroots. Listen, um, we're not here to talk about um, politics. We're here to talk about Arsenal. And, um, well, it is a bit polit uh, political because um, I believe Odegaard, captain of uh, Arsenal Football Club, requested that uh, Zinchenko uh, was made captain because of the year anniversary oh. of the war that's happened in in, um, uh, in the Ukraine. Um, I recall the last time you were over, Alex, we, we, we celebrated uh, the Ukrainians. Um, you celebrated it to a really, 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 really big extent. Don't, don't want to watch it. I'm, I'm glad it I cut have, off there. <laughs> I have got the longer version. And Alex, let's just say Alex uh, partaked in the Camden Hells. And uh, yeah, it, it didn't agree with you very well, did it? No, I had a couple of too many beers there. Um, so hopefully I'll, I'll have a f not as many beers this time and I'll, I'll sing the song properly this time. <laughs> so... Leading up to uh, the walk to the King Power, you obviously got the King Power, a nice stadium, a decent single level stadium, and creates a good atmosphere. Only bad thing is in on the concourses, the concourses split because they split it on the corner, so it does have an impact on the atmosphere beforehand. Um, uh, and as you can see, it's a great view from that's your seat, Dan, I believe, and and Trev, because uh, this is this is the ugly mutts uh, there in in the stadium. Um, the lineups, um, Trossard. Uh, was started instead of Eddie in the centre. We'll discuss that. Uh, so we had Ramsdale, White, Saliba, Gabriel Zinchenko, uh, Jorginho, uh, Shaka Odegaard, Saka, Martinelli and Trossard. Um, Trev, we met, I, I had seen something on Twitter and you thought I was some guru or something, but it wasn't. It was just something I picked up on Twitter. That somebody said that uh, Eddie had probably picked up a little slight knee injury or something like that and that they were going to play uh, Trossard 
instead of Eddie Nketiah. And I had said a good game to try and do it in, maybe because you can see the options that we got, the, like these little chess pieces that we got up front. What, what, what was your thoughts on, on playing uh, Trossard instead of Eddie? Well, as I said last week, and I think the week before, Ferg, it was the right thing to do, in my view, you know. I'm not calling Eddie out. I just thought that Trossard would do a better job. And on the day, I thought that Trossard played through the middle really well, but he, he played a deeper role through the middle. People like to call it a false nine, don't they? I don't like that term. He played like a deep nine, you know. He got what he got right in that box when he needed to, and he was there putting himself about, but he was quick enough to drop. And uh, it just seemed, I don't know, people might put me right, he seemed to cover more ground than Eddie does for me, you know what I mean? He just seemed to be about the park a bit more. And I honestly think it made a difference, Ferg. I thought we looked a better side, in all honesty. No, I'd have, I'd have to agree. I, 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 there's, there's things that uh, Trossard brings to the game. There's things that Eddie brings to the game. But one thing that wasn't at the game was uh, Madison. Uh, Dan, uh, a Leicester football club without Madison. The stats there, with, with them, they win six games. Without them, uh, they win one game. They're, the goal ratio, the win percentage is really, really low. BBC gave us that uh, footage. Uh, were you glad not to see Madison on the pitch? Absolutely. I think a Leicester without Madison is a championship team, to be honest with you. I think that's the way they would head without him. He's um, a very, very key player for their team and, and a very good player in, in general. I, I think if he played for a top four side, he would have been in the England squad sort of week in, week out when, when he plays. Um, pops up in, in great positions, great on the half turn, scores goals, gets assists. And he's also he's very busy. He's got a great set piece in him. He doesn't really have much of a negative about him, in all fairness. Um Certainly a player I'd like to see in red and white one day if he was available. Um, if he was in red and white, would that not hinder um, Odegaard? No, I think I, I think long term, and um, without going into, into Jacka too much because he's been fantastic, I still think that there is an upgrade in that position coming at some point. And I think there's no reason why they couldn't play two players Eight. like that. Yeah. Um, yeah. Not instead of Xhaka in the squad. I think Xhaka has a very good place in that squad, and I think he's proved uh, definitely myself wrong and lots of people wrong. Um, Indeed, quite Indeed. reaction there, but I still think there's an upgrade available. Uh, Alex, a player that has been heavily linked to Arsenal that, that did turn out for for Leicester was uh, Tillemans. Um, what were your thoughts on seeing Tillemans on the on the lineup? Were you worried about it, and how do you think he performed? And then we'll go into the game itself. Yeah, he started on the bench. I think he's been carrying a bit of an injury. So he came on later in the game um, and got injured again nearly instantly. Um, so he, he didn't really play too much of a part in the game. But yeah, I agree with Dan. Like, uh, Madison's so instrumental to the way Leicester plays. So it seemed like every time they went near our box, they sort of needed him to do the job and they just sort of stopped and didn't really know what to do when they came near our box. Um, so yeah. They, they they really look toothless without Madison uh, Leicester. Well, I've got a clip which I showed a few minutes about that, uh, which demonstrates why they, they they couldn't get near our box. But um, we started really briskly. Odegaard shooting in the first minute, he shot off the bar. Uh, Saka um, came close, and so did uh, Granite Jacker came really close with a shot. Um, which, in fairness, he. he he was unlucky not to do better. I don't think he could have done better, bar score, obviously, but I thought it was a really, really good attempt from uh, the player. Um, like we continued uh, possession and a lot went through Jorginho. Dan, uh, Jorginho's uh, uh, performance yet again 
Uh, I've been speaking to a couple of people uh, today and people talking about his signing and saying, like, you know, they weren't overexcited when they heard he, he signed from Chelsea. Chelsea fans on Twitter saying, oh, and we thought he was the problem. He clearly isn't the problem. He, he's been a bit of a masterstroke, don't you think? That's only due to the name, right? No one else can be really complaining about signing a Champions League winner who's experienced and as good on the ball as he is. It's just because we've been linked with other names and that was seen as a downgrade on what we were linked with. Um, I think if you don't read the papers and the rumours, then I think in most cases you're very happy with that signing. I think he offers a very, very good alternative to Partey. Not particularly the same player. Um, I think a game like that against Leicester where the play is in front of him and we dominate and control the game, it suits him down to the ground. He hasn't got to near enough expose his weaknesses that is probably athleticism. He's can just play through strengths and his ability on the ball. Hmm. And I think it was about 15, 20 minutes in, uh, Trev, he put, no, you won't remember, will you? You were 12 points in by this stage. Um, but uh, he put a wonderful pass through to to Saka uh, and he was just crowded out in the box. And then Saka came close again. Uh, I think he was aiming for the top corner um, and it just it just got beyond the post. Uh, how how were you with Jorginho's performance and how he's how he seems to be linking up with the forward line? You're on mute, Trev. Off mute. You, you've got to stop keep putting me on mute and blaming me for I don't do nothing. Points. I don't do nothing. <laughs> Picking up on what Dan said about Leicester, Ferg, I've, I've been fortunate enough to go to Leicester away for the last few years and that's the poor, that's the worst Leicester side I've seen us come up against. They really were poor. They offered nothing. Without Madison, they offered nothing. Um, and I thought that Jorginho, I think that... I was a bit worried about the signing. I wasn't worried because of who he was or what he was. I just I knew that he was a plan B and I just hoped that the plan B would work. And, and it's undoubtedly worked, you know. Um, and I, I, I love the way that the Arsenal chose who they wanted, but they, they wouldn't pay the prices because they knew that they had a plan B and they were obviously confident in that. And, and that's the way it's worked out, Ferg. Jorginho, for want of a better phrase, bossed the game at times against Leicester. He, he really did look a class act and uh, Xhaka seemed a little bit freer around him. I don't know if Xhaka's getting a bit more confident in reading the way Jorginho plays because much like we say, central defenders become a partnership, so do central midfielders, you know. So they've got to grow together and I was very, very happy um, with 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 Jorginho's performance as I was with the rest of the side, Fergus. I can't pick out a poor performance the only poor, the only reason I can mention poor is because Leicester were poor. I, I, you guys were watching on telly. Me and Dan were there, and I know I was under the influence, but I didn't think for one second during that game that we would lose that game. Not for one second. I couldn't see a threat at all. Yeah, just just a quick one on that, Trev. You said um, worse Leicester side. Well, I don't know if it was the exact words, but no, a very very poor Leicester side. Do you not think that was more down to how good we are as opposed to how poor Leicester were? Because don't forget that Leicester side has come back into form a little bit recently. They yeah. just battered Spurs 4-1. Um, um, yeah, you're right. You're right. Um, and they came up against a really good side in the Arsenal. But in recent years, Dan, I've seen a Jamie Vardy on fire. I saw Mares when they had him on fire. You know... Uh, Telemans went. I think Telemans got Kante off. as well. Two Kante as well. 
Of he course, Nicolo Kante. I've seen all them players when we've gone to Leicester, and I just think that this Leicester side I watched at the weekend, although they, they, they put up a bit of a fight in Manchester and they beat Tottenham, but anybody can beat Tottenham, Dan, come on. Um, it was like... It, it, I've not seen a, a team from Leicester that poor. I've well, always thought. I'd, I'd have to agree with you, Trev. Uh, over the years, I've, Leicester have grown and grown and eventually won the league. And a lot of that was down to the likes of Cantor, the likes of Madison's and, and, and the other great players they got, but also Jamie Vardy. And Jamie Vardy is almost like a, a, a microcosm of what they've become. They've sold, they've got up there. As soon as the, the COVID happened, it's happened, it affected their, the ownership and the, the money that the ownership has got. The county investors heavily into it. Brendan Rodgers doesn't look very happy at the club. I think he, if, if he could get out with, with his money, he'd be gone. Uh, so I, I personally, I think they're a shadow of themselves. Yes, Arsenal made them look even more, but I think they came with a plan of just let's try and get away with a nil-nil or maybe nick something on the counter is what and we see later on as we talk about what we try to do. Listen, um, before we uh, digress, 25 minutes in, a corner fell to uh, Trossard outside the box and he curled in a beauty in the top left-hand corner. Before we go into what happened after that, Alex, talk to me about Trossard and that, uh, you know, the the possibility of him in that position and scoring that goal because that goal was outstanding. Yeah, it's probably like the his favourite position to be in, like on the left, cutting in, in on his right foot. And uh, yeah, he just absolutely curled it in the top corner, uh, as we've seen him do for, for Brighton many times before. Um, so yeah, just an, an amazing finish. And I was I was so happy for him. Uh, and you can see all the other players were, were happy to see him score. Um, but yeah, unfortunately, um, after VAR review, it got disallowed. But um, I think we'll, we'll speak about that. We We will. Go on, go on, Trev, because I was about to go on to the VAR, go on. Just to, to add, yeah, I'm, I'm not going to start on VAR yet, because you know that once you start me, I'll be bubbling, Ferg. But yeah. Dan and myself were right in the line. We were down the other end, but we were right in line behind Trossard when he hit that. And it was one of the sweetest strikes I've seen in a long time. It had a good two-foot swerve on it, didn't it, Dan? He started it right off, and it, oh, it was a beautiful finish. I can't Every time you... Yeah, I'm ready to burst on it. Yeah, like every time you watch it back, you just make go like, oh, why was it disallowed? Because it was such a good goal. Yeah. And to be honest, even now... Because it was a great Sorry. goal. I was gutted yeah. it was such a great goal. But even, even more so, just as we'd scored, up until that minute, I'd been getting a bit of stick from the Leicester fans and I really celebrated great in front of them and then they ruled it out for VAR. So that made it even worse. <laughs> yeah, I, I heard you made friends, made friends with the locals, didn't you? Yeah, yeah. I think you could give back later. Yeah, oh, we, yeah. well, I, I would have done had I not missed the goal, but yeah. Oh, yeah, the, the thing is, the, 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 <laughs> oh, yeah, 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 we, we go into that one. Um, uh, so let's talk about the VAR first and 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 clear sight lines and stuff like that, which we'll expand on clear sight lines as well, Dan. So, um, this is the still, um, of uh, Ben White and also their number who's that defender, number seven, I think he's also got a hold of Ward's hand. Um, and a conversation I was having as well, and I will play the, the VAR footage in a second. It's very brief. A conversation I was having with Andrew, who's in the chat actually uh, earlier today, um, was Ward was still able to do what he wanted to do. He was still able to get up and still able to get his hand out and defend the goal. The goal, he, he, he parried the ball. The ball went out and it landed at Trossard and Trossard then scored the goal. So I can't understand why this... Um, where's it gone? Oh, no, not that one. This... Here is, uh, you know, the impediment because he actually gets his hand to the ball. Let's have a look at the um, uh, at the VAR decision, and then we'll go into it. So here we go. 
Let's hope uh, YouTube don't kill me again. Got his hand on the arm of the goalkeeper. And when he's been invited to look at the monitor, we know how this normally ends up. Disallowed. So you can see, Trev, you can see Ward can breathe. Ward gets his hand to it. So and, and the ball goes way out of the box, right to the far corner, and it happens that Trossard is standing there and gets sweet as sweet a nut. So how Ben White is impeding him, and I know you've got something to say as well, Dan, which is the other stuff on here to do with just VAR in general. But go on. Ferg, I'm looking at it slightly different to you, mate. I, I genuinely am, right, in that I'm going to state here and now, right, that what Ben White did to that goalkeeper could be construed as foul play, right? Could be construed as a foul. But that happens in every single game of football that's played every week. And it has never, ever, ever been referred to VAR for the like of that instance. I'll give you a prime example of how inconsistent it is. Tottenham scored a goal yesterday. And I'm not saying this because it's Tottenham. I'm saying this because of the example, right? Now, look at Eric Dyer there, right? Look at Eric Dyer there, right? What's happening there is that Eric Dyer is holding him down. And when the ball goes in the net, he's still got hold of him, right? And what really infuriated me, what really, really infuriated me was the fact that Sky TV replayed that goal to show the lack of marking of the goal scorer at the back post. And they freeze-framed it. Sky freeze-framed it on Dyer, giving it that one on top of his defender. And they never even mentioned it. Didn't even mention it. So that's how important it is to the people at Sky. So it's obviously not unusual or, or extraordinary play. So what on earth were they doing? They just pick on the Arsenal. That that bit of foul play from what? And I want to call it foul play, because if you want to call it foul play, call it foul play. But it's got to be done all the time. We'd never finish a game of football. We'd never finish a game of football. They're just picking on the Arsenal. Picking on the Arsenal, mate. What infuriates me, and I know, Dan, you've got a view on this. Well, we, we've got this... Clear and obvious, in my view, uh, Dyer on Mount at uh, the Tottenham-Chelsea game. Um, and uh, we also got this one, which is um, Ivan Tony Brentford, giving yeah. Saliba a piggyback. You've got Ollie Watkins impeding uh, Aaron Ramsdale in goal. I've done well. I've got all the names right so far. Um, so, <laughs> Dan, it's well, consistency. It's consistency, isn't it? It, it really is. And it... I don't know. You see him when he comes out from looking at VAR and he goes like that and then he does that. Does that mean fixed? Because it must be. Because it's the only thing that I can see that they've actually done in that game. Because if you're spotting that as a foul, but then not giving a foul on Saka not long after, you can't tell me that what Ben White has done is any worse than, than Saka. So not only is it not consistent across games that Trevor's just said with Spurs and the other games that we showed, it's not even consistent within the same game, which is ridiculous. They can spot a little touch on a hand, but they can't draw lines on a pitch. Exactly. I, I can't believe that they've actually done it. it it's it's ridiculous. And, and I actually fully agree with Trev that that could be a foul. And I don't even mind that being a foul. But give it everywhere. Know. Give it absolutely everywhere or don't give it at all. I mean, that that's a ridiculous foul. That that sort of contact happens hundreds of times on the, in a game. And you can't even really tell me that he's impeding the keeper. Because if you remember back to the Leicester game, I think it was Ward that flapped at one um, that dropped to um, Xhaka when he scored. Yeah, it was. Yeah. That was no, no one around him. So 
I think the keeper's flappy without anyone impeding him. It just makes absolutely no difference to the keeper. I, I really don't understand it. It's um, there must be some form of conspiracy. Alex, even even uh, Gary Lineker on Match of the Day um, released he had you know he ruled out for VAR intervention as a Leicester fan. He feel I feel relieved, but bemused by the decision that could be described under any circumstances as clear and obvious. It wasn't clear. It wasn't obvious. Um, you know, as Dan has pointed out, you have to really look for it. And 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 I've 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 said before, like I've got no issue. I don't think VAR is the problem. I think VAR works. If that is a foul on 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 Ward by Ben White, VAR the camera has picked it up. It's been picked up, and the referees yeah. decided on it. But as Dan has said, and we'll look at the Saka penalty and all the other examples I gave you there a minute ago of other fouls that haven't been picked up or haven't have may have been picked up, but the referees decided not to act upon them. Yeah, like I agree with uh, with Trevor. It just seemed like they're just picking on us. Um, but I agree with the boys. Like I think it is a foul as well because it kind of hinders him going up with both hands or with the other hand. Um, so like isolated, when you look at it, I think it's a foul as well. But then it's just the consistency again. It's, oh, it's just the same, going over the same thing again. It feels like we're going over the same thing like every episode with the, with the VAR. Um, Trevor, before yeah, we move on to the... Sorry, go on. I'll, I'll, yeah, Trip. Before before we move on to the before we move on to the penalty, uh, the, um, the PGMOL came out and apologised for six uh, wrongful VAR decisions, which included uh, the Man United one against ourselves. I think there was a second one against ourselves uh, with um, uh, I can't remember exactly which one it was. You've then got the Lee Mason one, where uh, Lee Mason has then fallen on a sword and resigned, keeping his pension and his holiday money and everything else. Uh, that goes with it. And now we've got this one, which the majority of pundits and the majority of uh, football opinionists uh, and even some of the referees are looking and saying it wasn't. So you've got out of uh, a possible seven or eight different incidents, and then you can look at the West Ham, the Brighton, uh, all the other ones that we, we can look at. They're making so many apologies. It just doesn't work. For, do you know, mate, for Lineker to come out and apologise for something that happened against the Arsenal, something is desperately wrong. But for the, for the VAR official to be sat there looking at his screen and pick out that foul by White on the goalkeeper, he's got to be looking pretty closely. He's got to be right on the ball. He's got, it happened in a split second he's, and, he, and he could hardly see it. That VAR official has got to be right on the ball to do that job, looking closely. But... and And... Let's just say before we move it on very briefly, we're talking about these about four and against all teams, right? I'm not backing yes. the arsenal or picking on anyone. These these issues affect all teams. If that VAR official can pick up that foul by white, the, all those other instances, clear instances that we've shown, clear instances that we've shown that have been missed by the VAR officials, what are they doing? What are they watching? What are they off for a toilet break or something? Or back at the bar getting another pint or what? It's, it's abysmal. And every week we're talking about VAR. And I'll, I'll repeat what I said before, right? Because I'll rant all bloody day. You know me, Fergus. You know me, boys. I'll repeat what I said before. VAR works. But to contradict myself, VAR doesn't work at the moment until you change the people that use it because they are either incompetent or the other thing that we don't talk about. Well, we've always said the opportunity to compromise the game, and it looks more and more and more obvious that there is an opportunity to compromise the game for some ill-gotten gain. Maybe I don't know. Uh, do we know? 
do we need VAR to be monitored by VAR? Well done, Keith. Hey, very, very well done. Um, uh, but the best quote I think um, we had was the other week from you, Hilsey, um, and that was on Twitter, which said uh, when they apologised, Lee Mason apologised for making an error. You said uh, you can live with human error um, on the pitch, but you can't live with human error by somebody you can see on four, five, six, seven different angles. I'm, I'm, I'm paraphrasing what you said, uh, but it was absolutely ridiculous. Another incident which made it stick even further for us is this one, Saka. Um, uh, for me, this penalty, uh, there's two different angles of it there. He's been held. Uh, I've seen them given. I've seen them not given. Uh, they're, they're, you know, it could be deemed a soft one if it was given against you. Um, but considering they had picked up on something as sensitive as this, why didn't they pick up on something like this? Alex? Yeah, I mean, I can't explain it to you because it just seems weird. Like, um, usually there's a line in the game and they stick to the line. And for this game, it just seems like there wasn't a line. And um, yeah, I agree with you. It probably would have been a soft penalty, but it was a soft foul on the on the goalkeeper as well. So yeah, again, no consistency. Yeah, Dan, if that's the standards that they're going to, if they are going to say that this is a foul, then surely uh, Saka, uh, from these two angles, it's, you know, a foul if, if we're looking at it being soft. Because... The penalty. Well, I, go, I go back to the video we showed the other day um, about they said VIR is there to make sure that you don't leave the pitch and say, what have I done? I've made a complete error. And the rest of it should be refereed by the referee on the pitch. So if they feel the need to intervene for Ben White's you know, imp- impediment on the, on the keeper, why have they not intervened with Saka? Because surely they're exactly the same. They're both subjective for me and they both should be left to the referee's view on the pitch. But they've intervened in one, not the other. That's what I don't understand. And the referee on the pitch, his boss thinks this. Well, the point of VAR is to, to, to stop those situations that I used to face when I made a decision on here, got into the dressing room, looked at my phone and thought, oh my goodness, how have I missed that? That shouldn't happen now. Uh, the VAR's there as that safety net. But... What I don't want is situations where, you know, there's some situations that could split opinion 60-40, not only in the public, for you guys, for the players, the coaches, also for the officials. And one VAR in one week will recommend a review, and in the same week, a different one won't. I think that would create a situation where people lose faith in what it's for. That's well, Mr. Exactly Howard, I think, I, think, I think you've actually created that situation, that exact situation. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh. I think it could have been a perfect video. Even more had we dropped points because of it, but it shouldn't be the case that we have to put up with that. And yeah. imagine, still, every goal counts. There could be goal and goal difference. It could, it could make such a big difference. Don't ever forget, boys, if we lose this league by a point, we know what's cost us it. But you look at what Howard Webb says there, boys, right? And we all laugh at what he says and, and the context in which we interpret it. But what he's telling me is Howard Webb, he actually knows what happens and he knows what goes wrong. He sees it happen and he understands that things are going wrong. And he's looking at what they're doing now and, and not changing it. He's not changing it. He's just coming on telly and saying that rubbish again, which is totally unacceptable. Totally unacceptable. And Fergus just nailed it on the head and, and, and it, it's human error on that pitch I can, I can accept all day long. Uh, if a referee misses something on the field, I'll accept it all day long. I'll moan about it. I'll shout the rooftop down about it, but I'll accept the human error. Not not when they've got them screens. Not a chance. Not when we're seeing what we're seeing. Absolutely not. 
Um, there's some other comments like Matt said about Kane and the yellow card. There's loads. We can go into loads. We're here to talk about the 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 um, the Leicester game rather than trying to get dragged into a complete VAR. But it does feel like we're talking about VAR every time. Iheanacho, is that all right for you? Um, uh, uh, Dan, what's, um, what's his first name? Iheanacho. No, his first name. <laughs> I, I don't know what his first name is. I've never looked up his first name. It says Ian Atcher on his back, and that's all I need to know. Uh, because on the, yeah, not, not. On, on the notes that we, we, we share and said to each other, um, the bit that uh, Dan sent through said, Ian Atcher, I'll let Fergus pronounce that. <laughs> um, it was miles offside. But um, the, 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 the thing on this one was, it was touched on last week about paying the price for our mistakes. And Alex, we 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 better WhatsApp conversation about this. I'll leave it to you. Yeah, I, d- I don't know if it was a joke like from Dan that he was miles offside. It probably was, but uh, it was like it was very close on on the on the offside, and it almost cost us a goal again um, from another mistake. This time it was from Sinchenko again. Um, so yeah, we just we got to eliminate those mistakes from our game because otherwise um, we'll get punished in games for it. To be honest, I do think it was a million miles offside, but I do agree that he, um, you know, mistakes like that could end up costing us. But yeah, I think he, he actually was a million miles offside. I was never worried. Well, in the ground. See, I, I agree. Like he, he looked offside, but it is pretty close. You must admit. I don't think it's that close. He's he's a good two foot in front of the guy, isn't he? He's off. Like, I mean, he, he he's offside, and that's what matters. Uh, listen, that was the, that was the end of the first half. Christ, uh, it's nearly taken us forty-five minutes to get through the first half on this uh, with the conversation we did. But fifty-two seconds into the second half, um, Gabriel uh, uh, steps in. He clears the ball to Trossard. Trossard has some great trickery. He puts a ball through to Martinelli and shows a bit of um, a bit of pace. And Gabby gives a like an, an Henri type finish. Isn't that what you said, uh, Dan? You thought it was a, an Henri esque type finish. He that don't was. know. He don't that know. Was. Well, that was what I saw when I watched it back, Trev. But um, obviously, <laughs> me too, mate. Me too. Live, live in the ground. Um, there's a song that they used to sing at um, a few other games that comes to mind, and it goes "Easy in Pie, Easy in Pie." I think I should have just done that in the uh, on the concourse, to be honest. Right, you need you need to explain to everybody. So, what happened? It's just we totally missed uh, missed the game because uh, Mr. Hillsyaver is a very very slow eater. So we was. Uh, Waiting for Mr. Hill to finish his pie, and we missed the uh, missed the only goal of the game. Oh, I, can't well, I thought it was. I thought he had the pie on, in the stand that was in the way, and you couldn't see it. So that would um, have been more funny. The concourse. <laughs> Not quite that far. <laughs> no, okay. But a, a, a great a great goal, nonetheless, Alex. Me and you will have to talk about it because these two haven't seen it. a great goal, nonetheless, and a it little was, bit yeah. worrying. A little bit worrying that um, uh, it was indeedy. I think that stood on uh, Martinelli's Martinelli. leg, and I thought at first. Um, that he was out proper and uh, we were going to yeah. see the end of his season. It really looked bad, like, initially. Um, but when I saw the replay, I could see, like, it was a knock and not a twist or something in his knee. Um, so that was quite good when I saw that it was just the impact from from the knock. Um, but, yeah, like, it was a great goal. And I think that goal shows why Trossard was really good as a, as a false nine. I know Trev doesn't like the name, but that was what, what he was playing as. Um because they linked up really well, him and Martinelli, especially on the left side. Um, and yeah, this this time, uh, Trossard drifted out to the left and nutmegged uh, Harry Sutar, the big Australian guy from uh, Leicester. And uh, and yeah, Henri-esque finish from, from Martinelli. And 
that was exactly what we needed in the first half, like quality when we came we we came close in, in situations in the first half, but we just needed the individual quality. And that's exactly how we started the second half. So couldn't have started the half much much better. The the big exactly. question here, um, Trev, how would you rate the pie less the pie out of ten? Oh, I wanna know. It's <laughs> They're asking if we're sponsored in the chat. Just wondered if you want to give it a pie rating out of 10. We could do this everywhere we go, to be honest. Yeah, I, th I think we should. I think we should have a pie rating. No, I only have a pie when I'm drunk because it soaks the beer up a bit. But uh, it's, it's interesting listening to... Obviously, we've um, we've watched the goal back now. So we, we, know, we, we do know what we're talking about, Dan and myself. And I would like to apologise if Dan was waiting for me to finish my pie because I can't remember that either. But... We, we were talking, and what, what, what Alex just said, we were talking about the left side last week and the week before, weren't we? And now it, we're not knocking it, but it, it, they are left on their own out there when Zinchenko plays because Zinchenko does his good work more in the middle of the park. And I, I thought that was another bonus of bringing Trossard in. I thought Trossard worked a bit more down the left, um, which obviously left the centre a bit empty at times, but it worked in our favour because he moved quickly and, and, and got to where he needed to be. So it did strengthen the left-hand side of the park. Maybe a week in the middle, but we won the game, so I'm not complaining. And Dan, it, Trev's got a good point there. Martinelli's always been pushing for uh, a, a position through the middle, and Trossard did that by the way they rotate and move around on the pitch. Mart uh, Martinelli dropped more central, left central, uh, and Trossard went out onto the wing. Um, can you see that being done more often? I think it's an option. I think they were very, very fluid in the way that they played. And I think in certain games where we're dominating possession, it makes a big, big difference because having that that false nine drop into those spaces, sorry, what was it? Not not false nine, what, deep, deep, nine, nine. Uh, deep nine. Deep nine. We'll rename it. Having the deep nine uh, drop in into that sort of eight position gives the defender a choice. Do they go with them and vacate the space for a runner or do they hold off and then give us freedom to control the game? I do feel like against different opposition, though, that, that won't work because you do sometimes need someone that's on the line and can occupy a defender. So, But it's definitely an option. And I think where someone has a knock like Eddie, you know, at the moment, if he was out injured, we'd have no striker. And he's definitely an option um, to come in. It's, um, Your dad's in the chat. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, oh, yeah, mate. All right. But, yeah, it, it, Burgess, you picked up on a point that, that we, we hadn't made before there, and it, it's another important thing. Martinelli and Trossard did rotate a bit, moving in and out of the centre, you know. They did rotate, and, and it did work. And you're right, Dan. There's other games it, it wouldn't work in. Um, I would hope that Arteta wouldn't, would, would see that. I'm confident in the man, you know. So, yeah, I'm happy with the weekend and and Trev. That was that was Martinelli's second goal in two games, and we heard we heard how how Akbonlahor was talking about him a couple of games ago. He's yeah. been rubbish apparently, but now he's just scored second second game in a row. Mate, we he don't need to name names, right? I don't like naming them. I don't like giving them time, Alex. Although we only get a small viewership compared to them. But all those Tim Pot people on TalkSport and the other radio stations and the odd one on the telly, they only pick on the Arsenal because they know that we're that famous and that good. They're going to get some publicity out of it. They know someone's going to buy on it and they're going to get their name mentioned. That's the only reason they pick on us, mate. And I they're agree, jealous yeah. they never played for us, you know? A real quick question on Martinelli, right? Because I heard this um, the other day in the pub and I was a bit surprised, but it also did sort of click a little bit. They said with Martinelli... Since he signed his contract, 
did he drop off in four months he earned his contract? No. Uh, I don't think so. I, I, I think he's been... He had a bit part. He, he looked... I think we talked about it before. I, I don't think the relationship between him and Eddie had, had worked as well. And I think him coming on against Villa and he got, um, you know, he seemed to work better with Eddie. I don't know. I, I don't think his, his, I don't think he dropped off at all since he signed the contract. I, I think he had, hadn't been given the opportunity because, and when he was given the opportunity, because he was working with a player that I don't think he works as well with, maybe didn't shine as much as he could have. Because I think if he was playing with Jesus, and uh, he, he just, you know, he brings out the best in Martinelli. Yeah, I, I agree. Like, I think we can all agree to that he's been worse, like, after the World Cup or, like, the last, what is it, six, seven games, he's been worse, Martinelli. But I'd like to think that it's down to him playing with Enketia and not with Jesus. That bad, Alex. Yeah, he hasn't been that bad, but he hasn't had the like the end product that he's had in the first half of the season. Well, I'm not well, having that. Alex. I'm not having that, son. You're lucky I'm not there on Wednesday because we'd be having words, me and you. Son. What do you mean? <laughs> right. What do you mean? Right. I don't. I, I think that Martinelli has, has, has dropped off at all, to be honest with you. But I can, I can understand the thoughts when people are worried about our players signing new long-term contracts because we've been bitten so much in the recent past, haven't we? You know, off the top of my head, Urzil, Albamian. Both signed long-term, massive paycheck con uh, contracts, and they just didn't play for us anymore. So I understand the point, but I think we're talking about a different squad, different set of players, a different mentality running right through the Arsenal Football Club now. I, I, I don't think that'll happen. And Alex, I'm going to have to watch the games back because I can't see where he's dropped off, sir. Yeah, I, must I, say, I don't I think have... there is an issue, to be honest with you. I don't think there is at all. But I think it does. It, it will definitely help to have an extra incentive. And I think sometimes when you're playing for a new contract, there is an incentive. I also think having someone like Trossard in the squad that could be vying for your place is also another incentive. And I think that possibly is why you might have seen a little a little bounce back from him as, as well. Yeah, yeah, that's, say competition, that's competition for places is, 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 is a huge factor. Listen, yeah. before we finish off on the game, because um, we talked about uh, Saka had a, had a goal ruled offside, um, and I think it was marginally offside. But one of the good features, which I liked, and I noticed it when we're watching the game, that um, Leicester, as much as they didn't offer much, they did try on the counter-attack to try and counter players high up the line, uh, let, let us play a high up and then try and lob, lob a ball over the top and, and counter-attack. Iheanacho nearly came off with, with it on that first one when he was uh, disallowed. Uh, Iheanacho, just listen, you're getting boring now and ginger. Um, oh, but have a, have, a, ha, have a look at this comment. Is that a nibble, Fergus? A lot of the times when we were counter-attacking, the way they got back was very quick. They all work hard for each other, and that just—that's the reason why they're right, right there at the top of the league. Um, There's a couple of times where it was on the count, and we looked up, and I just saw a sea of red back in there in their defensive in defensive period. So, so it, it's great to hear that other teams can see how good we are as defending as a whole as a team uh, we're not uh, we're not leaving the front line or the back line in silos we're we're, we're defending as a team uh, dan yeah that that is one of the biggest changes over the last couple of years and i think we can probably all agree that we are not going to win the league title every single year nor should we be expecting that from our team that they have to go and win the league every single year 
But what you absolutely expect as a minimum from them is that they all put the full effort in and play for the badge. And years ago, a couple of two, three years ago, you would not have seen a team getting back in that manner. Whereas now we've got a young, hungry team that want to play for the team, that want to win honours themselves and just have a manager that won't put up with anything other than, than 100, 100%. Um, thanks to Sam Hart, who's just subscribed to the channel. So if you like what we're doing, just click on that bell and subscribe. Uh, Alex, what, what was your thoughts on, on def defending as a unit? Yeah, I think uh, Dan is spot on. Like, it's a, it's a big change we've seen in the side in the, the, these last couple of years. The willingness um, and the determination like to run that extra, extra mile in the, in the games and, and to track back quickly as well. Uh, it just makes a big difference, especially when you go up against a team that relies on the counter. So, uh, yeah, it's, I mean, we're, we're showing why it's so uh, important this year. We're, it, like, we're top of the league and that's one of the main reasons why. Yeah. Trevor finished the game 1-0. Leicester didn't even have a shot on target. Um, we dominated the game, but walked away with a final score of 1-0. It could have been one of those games with those sort of counters if we weren't um, sharp and we weren't on our game that they, you know, they could easily have got one and we could have dropped two points really against the run of play. These are the tough one nils you need to grind out to win the league. It was uh, that clip you just played was 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 really interesting because we've been talking about Zinchenko, and if you look, Zinchenko's caught up the field there. Zinchenko's actually caught up the field, and. Um, it, uh, you can see as as, they, as that's a break. I, th I don't know whether it's Gabriel or Saliba. Immediately knows. Immediately knows where the weakness is and drops left to cover the the, the runner on the left. And then Zinchenko comes back like a rocket. And then he's they, we're all covered across the back again. And then you blink in that clip and you look again. And we've got seven men back in a box in the blink of an eye. That is new Arsenal. That is new Arsenal. That's not something that's happened previously. That is improving Arsenal. That is Premiership League challenging Arsenal that play that game. You know, we've not played that in previous seasons and we've not challenged. And that's partly why. Them players are playing for the shirt and running their hearts out. Yeah, it's a pleasure to watch. Right, guys, we've got to finish up on this game because I want to touch on Everton and so on as well. But um, Gabriel, Zinchenko, but, uh, who, who's your man of the match? Dan, I'll go to you first on this one. I picked out Gabriel just because I think Watching the game back, I don't remember seeing him make a mistake. I thought he was solid. He covered ground. He was physical. He was the dominant centre-half that we've wanted for years. And, um, yeah, I think very, very good game from him all, all round. Alex, would you would you have anybody else? Um, I agree with Dan. Like, Gabriel was amazing. Like, he, he, isn't, he isn't one of the players that gets the most praise, but he's been so good and so consistent the last many games. Uh he hasn't really made any errors for a long time now. Um, so, yeah, I agree. And uh, I think Trossard as well, you could argue, had a very good game. Um, yeah, so those two players stood out for me. Trev? Yeah, and, you know, you know, just go, I don't know if you mentioned it just now, Fergus, when, when you rightly said that Leicester had no shots on goal, they didn't even have a corner, Leicester. They didn't even get a corner. Didn't even make the corner, you know. Um, man of the match. I said right at the start of the show, it really difficult for me this week because I couldn't see a bad performance on the field. You know, we won 1-0. It was the best 1-0, one of the best 1-0s I've ever seen. Dominance. 
Um, I just had to toss a coin really and pick one out of the outside. So I picked Zinchenko, but I could honestly have picked any of the other 10 players on the field. Any of them. It, it was a good performance all round. Man of the match for me is Mikel Arteta because he ran the whole show. Um, I know he was not, he's not on the pitch, but he's got 11 guys on there representing him. Um, because I, as like all the other, uh, of, of the rest of you, it's impossible. Yeah, it's impossible to, um, it's, uh, impossible to try and pick a player. Dale's got a point. Trossard, Zinchenko, Gabriel, you know, Martinelli, they've, they've all got a positive to say about it. Trossard, if that goal was allowed, I think we probably would be saying that, but why should we be taken away from him because of that? I'm, it's impossible to say. Um, Listen, just before we go uh, on to the Everton game, I thought this to give you a little bit of importance of what the build-up to this Everton game is. Remember, this is our game in hand. We're currently two points clear at the top of the Premier League with uh, Manchester City behind us. Win this game and we are five points clear at the top of the league with 13 points to go. Have a watch of this. It's happening. It is happening for Mikel Arteta. I, I love to win. Yeah. And when I see the trophy, I want the trophy. We're seeing something really brilliant from Arsenal because even for them to be in the chat, for them to be in the talk, is mesmerising. At the moment, I don't see anybody stopping Arsenal. When was the Emirates last like this, week on week? Such noise! They are there and they mean to stay there. Bring on the big boys. All very tight for Arsenal, but that is absolutely Hello? Hello? Yeah, no, I think it, it just it just froze. The, 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 the footage froze. Um, it's probably YouTube trying to stop me or something like that. But, um, yeah, Tony, it does make my arms stand up on, on uh, my hair. My arms stand up on my hair. Yeah, everything. Um, uh, it's um, a great clip. Um, I'm sure YouTube will probably uh, try and block us. I'm going to try and see if the rest of it will play. Just let's see. No, it's not going to play. Is it? No, it's not going to play. Um, I'll try and put it up on, on Twitter or something like that. It's a great video. Um, it's not my work. I don't take the credit Amazing. for it, but I thought it was really good and get us in the mood. We are going to Everton. Our game in hand. Five points clear if we win it. 13 points. Uh, 13 games left to go. The Danes are coming to town. Um, so, yeah, lock up your daughters, as they say. Isn't that what I say? The Vikings are coming. <laughs> Probably was that, that in the old days, yeah. We were yeah, some nasty, yeah. nasty cunts. Oi! Yeah, that's that's a strong word for here. <laughs> Ta taxi for Alex. <laughs> so you can you can tell we live, can't you? <laughs> oh dear, don't make me laugh. Listen, it's a must-win game. It's a must-win game. Alex, you've um, done me. Yeah, you've done me. Yeah. Sorry, <laughs> sorry. Dan, Dan, must-win game. Uh, we 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 went to Goodison. Um, and it was my birthday, and uh, I didn't get three points for my birthday. Um, could Everton do it to us again on Wednesday night? Or are you expecting a different Arsenal? I need composure right now. Um, well, I'm just trying to keep talking, keep talking. Nobody say, knows, just nobody to let knows. you know, Alex, instead of seeing you next Tuesday, it's on Wednesday, the game. So we'll see you on Wednesday. But um, it's, a, it's a huge, huge game. 
And as you said, chance to get five points clear. And that cushion is is huge for this club going forward because we do have tough games. It just gives us a buffer that if we have an off day, it isn't the end of the world and we can go again. And I think after such a, a mature performance on Saturday, I think we need a similar type of performance against Everton where we need to be calm, we need to be patient, but at home with a crowd behind them, I think we'll pick up three points and by by the end of Wednesday, we'll be five points clear. Trev, do you think anything different? I'll just go ask Alex something. <laughs> I knew you were going to do that. <laughs> uh, look, I, I, I can't see us being bad enough to lose to Everton twice. I can't see us being bad enough. I hope I'm right. I hope I'm not wrong. You know, I'm, I'm, uh, I can't see us losing twice to Everton. And it should really be quite an easy, it should be a comfortable game if we play to our form. And uh, let's hope we do, eh? I can't see us losing again. Trev, do you do you change any make any changes to the lineup? Would you bring Eddie back in? Do you leave Trussard on? Is Jesus ready to come back? I don't think he is. Smith Rowe's been on the bench. Do you give him a run out? Personally, personally, I don't. I, I leave Trossard in there because I think Everton are a side that need to be moved around a bit. Um, I don't change anything at the back. We talked about the defenders earlier, but I don't know if you boys have no, well, you boys would have noticed it, but Saliba. He's one of them defenders. He's a big lad. He's tall, but ain't he got some pace about him? He just seems to glide over the ground and cover these spaces. So I wouldn't change the back. I'd leave Trossard in. Yeah, start with the same team. Start with the same team. Alison, uh, uh, Alan and Tim, I agree with you both. Start with the same team and let's go and win the game. And I don't know, will Jesus be on the bench, do you think? Mm, it might be a know. bit too early, but it's. I think it's getting close to him being on the bench. Uh, but... I think maybe I'd start Partey if, if he's fit because he, he came on for the last 15 minutes of the of the Leicester game. So he, if he's fit, I think I'll start him versus Everton because they've got some the big guys, some big guys in midfield. For Xhaka or for, for Jorginho? Jorginho. <sighs> yeah, probably Jorginho, but oh, it, it would be a shame. It would be a shame to drop him because he, he's been so so good for the. He's deserved the. He's deserved a place in the team. So, Dan, do you start Jorginho and bring a party on and then get ready for the weekend in the Europa League? Or do you take the gamble to... Bear in mind how hit and miss his fitness has been over the time. Do you take the gamble and, and go with him straight away? No, I think I think we play Partey in this one. Um, don't forget, we're playing against Saturday against Bournemouth and I think that game would probably suit someone like Jorginho. Um, we are playing an Everton side that's going to sit back behind the ball. And as Trev said, we need to maybe pull him out of position. When we when we had Eddie up top, it didn't really work. They're physical and they dominated him. So maybe Trossard will work. But their threat is from set pieces and in the air. And I think Partey will come in because he does sort of guard that front post quite well for, for corners. It also wouldn't surprise me if maybe Tommy came in at some point just because of his dominance in the air. I like, I like Lyle's comment. Don't worry, Easter's coming. Jesus will be making a return soon. Yeah, roll that stone back. So, yeah. I'll tell you um, what, you've got that one out there, Lyle, nicely, any. Yeah, yeah. Top yeah, Lyle. Yeah. yeah. Um, and uh, obviously, we'll want a bit, of, a bit of this sort of atmosphere going on.
So, Alex, um, I do hope your Danish friends have been practicing their English and practicing the words of their songs, and uh, they're going to be joining in with Capodan and myself. I've been telling them to, so uh, hopefully they've they've done it. I, I know, I know Sven, Sven knows some of the some of the the chants by now, so hopefully well, he'll join in. Yeah, he he did have a run out the last time round he was here, so that was yeah. Uh, prediction, please, then, uh, Alex. Oh, I want a big. I want a big win. I want a. I want a four nil win. Four nil, Kappa. Prediction is a three nil win. Alex to continue the Zinchenko song even louder and better than last time, and maybe I promise. Even, maybe even end with a little <laughs> in the middle. <laughs> the Icelandic, Icelandic clap at the end. Yeah. <laughs> Trev, you're not going to be down for this one. You're down for Saturday. Um, what's your score prediction? I'm down on Saturday. I'm missing Wednesday. Gotta go back to that clip there because I've got that, it. Okay, it's got to come back on again. That uh, which the the crowd clip are the that singing just now, Ferg. Oh, okay. What Sorry. What we need to know is that was about ten minutes after the game ended. That wasn't during the game. They, I didn't want to leave the stadium on Saturday. Dan and the other lads had to arm lock me and drag me out in the end. It was so it was buzzing amongst their Arsenal fans. I didn't want to walk out the ground. I'd have, I'd have still been in there now. Me, still been in Treff. there now. As it's for the, been like it's been like that most games after yeah, Villa, I was feeling absolutely crap, and it was yeah. still going Jorginho, and yeah. uh, they were singing like you know shit Aaron Ramsdale. Uh, it, it's the 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 crowd, the, the away support is absolutely Brilliant. fantastic, yeah. isn't it? Brilliant. Obviously, we did we did have to drag him out because he would have just had another pie if not. <laughs> <laughs> um, Go on. I would have all, yeah. Um, prediction for me: three 0 and that's being conservative. We need revenge. We need revenge. We do need revenge, but I think they're going to be harder to break down. I think um, uh, um, uh, the um, Sean Dyche style set piece, big, big. You know, it's just that horrible style of football. I think we 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 struggled against it. Um, the um, up there, I think they'll come at us and. Pickford will do all the slowing down as he can. So I'm going to go for 2-0. I'm going to go for 2-0. Guys, that video that I uh, stopped, I actually found another way that I will play it. So we're going to play it in its entirety right now before we finish. It's happening. It is happening for Mikel Arteta. I, I love to win. Yeah. And when I see the trophy, I want the trophy. We're seeing something really brilliant from Arsenal. Because even for them to be in the chat, for them to be in the tour, is mesmerising. At the moment, I don't see anybody stopping us at the moment. When was the Emirates last like this, week on week? Such noise! They are there and they mean to stay there. Bring on the big boys. All very tight for Arsenal, but Jesus! 
Trevor in. Trevor's probably in floods of tears by now. Trevor, how are you? I'm, done. I'm absolutely done with it. That both of those. You know what I'm like. You know how bad. If if we do end up winning the league, I don't know where I'm going to get out of the stadium at the end of the season. But it's just worth remembering, Ferg. Like we said earlier about our Arsenal have changed on the pitch, right? How we play differently. We play Premier League winning football, right? Looking at that clip with all them commentators and all them summarisers saying all them good things about the Arsenal, they're the same people that up until last season were laughing at us, took great pleasure in laughing at the Arsenal every week. And we've turned them round. Everybody knows how good a team we are now. And those that still question us are the ones that are just looking for a bit of glory, getting their name mentioned, because they're jealous of us. Because we are the Arsenal. The Arsenal. And don't forget, capital T, the Arsenal. Adios. Arnie, you got your Trevor time. <laughs> uh, Alex, see you Wednesday. Dan, see you Wednesday. Yeah. Uh, uh, Trev, probably speak to you in 10 minutes. No one knew you'll probably ring me within 10 minutes. So yeah. have, have a great trip, Alex. Have a great Thank trip, mate. Gutted I'm not there Wednesday. Dan, yeah, I'll see you, see you Saturday, mate. Fergus, unfortunately, I'll see you Saturday as well. So yeah, yeah you will. And you thank, will. thank you, John. I'll see you Wednesday. And thank you for helping me out again. Yeah, John, yeah, you're a star. It helped me out in something else as well recently as well. So really appreciate that. Uh, also, Arnie in the chat said he's over for his first game for a long time uh, for the Bournemouth game. Um, if you get in a good hour, hour and a half beforehand when the stadium opens, come around about an hour beforehand, block five, block six on the lower tier. You'll see a small, he's only about four foot two, uh, ginger fella uh, with a scarf on his, on his back. The scarf's actually about this big, but it looks huge on his back. Um, but uh, yeah, you'll see him and you'll see an old grey beard fat fella standing there you, clapping out of time. You if you can't spot me, you'll see this little leprechaun that bounces about. He'll be there too. You'll spot him. To be yeah. sure, to be sure, you will. I'll have a glass of water. 233 in a third. I'll be the one with <laughs> there we go. and Arnie. So, so not only have we had us obscenities on this show, we've also had some race, racial slurs. Gingerist isn't, isn't a, 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 an official um, demographic, so I can get away with it without being wrong. You have been watching Guns and Yellow Ribbons, an Arsenal podcast by four Arsenal mates. That's all we are. Arsenal mates, we're not out here to make a fortune, be famous or anything like that. But if you like what we do and you'd like to come back and watch us again, uh, click on the subscribe button and tell your mates. Up the Arsenal, fuck the Spurs. You've been listening to Guns and Yellow Ribbons, an Arsenal podcast by Arsenal fans for Arsenal fans.
Follow us on Facebook at Guns and Yellow Ribbons and Twitter at Guns and Ribbons. And remember to rate and review us too.